Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Okay, I just want to very briefly share with you from Galatians chapter 5. That's my, sorry, my family up there, the photo. Uh, my, uh, my wife was the pretty lady in the worship team over here. And uh, she helped me make pretty children. <laughs> Kirsten is our eldest, uh, she's 10 years old, and Justin is 7, and Ethan, he's, uh, he'll be turning 2 in May. Um, and family's a, a real blessing, and as Heinrich was sharing, family is a big part, from those scriptures in, in Ephesians 3, family is a big part of what church is about. God is a father, and he has a family. And we live in a society, um, especially nowadays, which is such a deeply consumer-driven society where all the, the thoughts and the attitudes and the approaches of consumerism are encouraged over and over again through the media in our lives. Um, our economy is said to be consumer-driven. Our um, adverts, obviously, are designed to create and encourage us to be little consumers, and the problem is we bring those consumer attitudes and mindsets into the family, into our families, and we bring them into God's family, into the church. And we are in great danger as modern Christians to become consumer Christians. And many Christians are exactly that. Many Christians sitting on, in church sit in church as little consumers primarily for what we can get rather than, what, for, than for what we can give. And we know how dangerous that is. You know, those, those who are a part of a family, if, a, if every family member is just living for him or herself, it's bad for the family. Family doesn't work like that. So you can either have consumer relationships where we use one another, or we can have covenant relationships where we serve one another. And that is the choice that, that God puts in front of us. And the world is, cons- is, is constantly encouraging us, you know, to be little consumers because you're worth it. <laughs> but God is saying, no, let us be servants. Let us, let us have relationships that are not relationships only of convenience where we use one another where we use other people because those relationships don't last and they in any case leave a bitter taste in the mouth but let us be through covenant become family who serves one another in love that's what we were designed for god made us to be like him (laughs) and the reason that he's called the father is his father son and holy spirit he's a divine family we're designed to be like Him. In other words, we're designed for family. We can only come to our full flourishing as human beings within family, either natural family or spiritual family or both. God designed us for that. And that's why I said in the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. Even though He said everything that He created was good, and after He created man, He said it was very good. That was the only superlative. In the midst of that, in Genesis chapter 2, He says it's not good for man to be alone. I will create for him a family. So God wants us to be family. And, but, but we need to realize what a big problem 
for all of us, not just some of us, all of us, this consumer mentality is. We're all stuck with it. We all think that way. I mean, just think how offended we sometimes get when we don't get the service that we want. Also in church. But God calls us to break the power of that consumerism over our lives. How? The only way to break it is by serving. Where consumerism says, I want to be served. And I want to use other people. Family, covenant, family says, I want to serve. I want to serve others. And you can know whether you're really a servant by how you respond when you're treated like one. I hope that convicts you as much as it convicts me. (laughs) So the problem is this consumer Christianity um, that's so easy for us to fall into. And what this scripture, I'm going to read, just, um, just go to Galatians 5. I'm just going to read one scripture. It says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So I want to read it from a, um, another translation. It says, My brothers and sisters, God called you to be free, but do not use your freedom as an excuse to do what pleases the sinful nature, the flesh. Serve each other with love. And the translation there, my brothers and sisters, is actually more accurate than just saying brothers uh, because he's speaking to multiple churches that have um, brothers and sisters in it. And it but, but the thing I want you to see is brothers and sisters implies family. And God is saying that family is the solution. So I say you were, you were called to freedom, which implies we all start off not being free. We all start off in bondage and slavery, right? And in fact, the whole book of Galatians is about that, about the bondage that we come out of and the bondage that we can very easily fall back into if we're not careful. And there are just two kinds of bondage. Um, before, Before you get saved, before God saves you, before He calls you to freedom, you fall into one of, one of two, or maybe a mixture uh, of these two categories of bondage or slavery. The one is um, religion. And that's one of the main ones addressed in the book of Galatians. Now, yeah, I just want to give you a quick summary of the book of Galatians. There were a bunch of false teachers, Jewish Christian teachers, who were saying this. Their gospel that they preached was this. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ... And obey Him as well as you can. Obey the law as well as you can and you will be saved. And Paul is saying, not only is that not an acceptable form of Christianity, it's not even Christianity at all. It's not a gospel. It's not good news. It's just good advice. It's good advice about what you must do to be saved. But it's not good news. He says the gospel is good news about what has been done to to save you. Not good advice about what you must do to save yourself. And Paul's gospel was... Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, and then you'll obey Him. Exactly the same three elements. Belief, obedience, and salvation. But the order in which they happen makes all the difference. Now, now here's the problem. One of the problems that Paul has with these guys who say that you must 
believe and obey in order to be saved. And Paul says, no, you must just believe to be saved, but the consequence of that is that you will obey. He says, here's the, here's the difference. If you obey in order to be saved, if you serve God in order to get the reward of salvation, who are you really serving? God or yourself? You're serving yourself, right? And he says that's a form of bondage to the law. And actually, you're a slave. You're a slave to yourself. And you're constantly having to work as a slave to save yourself. And he says that's not freedom, that's bondage. That's the bondage of religion. But the opposite of that, irreligion, is another form of bondage. And um, Porsche, I read that scripture in, in John chapter 8 where he says everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And once again, if you say, okay, I don't care, I, 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 I either choose to believe that there's no God or that if there's a God, he just accepts anyone randomly uh, and there's no standard, you know, everyone will go to heaven uh, so I can just live the way I want to. What you end up doing is still being a slave. You're not free. That doesn't set you free. It actually makes you a slave to sin because you end up doing all the things that you want to. But here's the catch. The things that we want to do enslave us. And once again, you're enslaved to yourself. You serve yourself. Just like in religion, you end up serving yourself. So in irreligion, you also end up serving yourself and being a slave to yourself. But he says, then comes the gospel of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that sets us radically free. But, and freedom is always an opportunity. It's always an opportunity. It's either an opportunity to indulge and to serve the flesh, the sinful nature, once again serving self, or it's an opportunity to serve one another in love. So even after you become a Christian, you can actually abuse that freedom that you have as a Christian. Because now you no longer have to work for your salvation. You've received the work that Jesus did for you on the cross. So you're already saved. Now you can abuse that freedom and say, okay, now I'm free. Now I can really indulge and just serve my flesh, my, my sinful nature. And end up doing what, exactly what you did before salvation and serving yourself. You see, those who are in bondage, those before you, while you're a slave, you serve what... You serve because you have to. But when you're free, if you serve, you serve because you want to. In other words, when you're free, you're going to serve what you love most. And there's the thing. What do you love most? Do you love yourself, your own flesh, your own comfort, your own convenience? Well, then you're just going to use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge in the flesh and serve, continue serving yourself. Or do you love God and His people? Because God lives in his people. If you love God more, then you're going to serve one another in love. And that actually radically sets us free from this consumer culture, from this consumer mindset. In fact, love, one, one, probably one of my favorite definitions of love by a theologian called Bruce Waltke, he says, love is inconveniencing yourself or disadvantaging yourself in order to advantage others. That's love. Love is disadvantaging yourself in order to advantage others. 
inconveniencing yourself in order to convenience others. Sacrificing yourself in order to serve others. And that is the only way to break the power of consumerism over our lives. Where we want to be served. But notice it's serve one another. You see, the beauty of family, when it's done right, if everyone is serving, is that you still get served. But you also serve. And we know in family that that is necessary. When you're raising kids, you cannot just serve your kids and and treat them as royalty within the household who do nothing. You've got to give them chores. Why? Otherwise they won't grow up to be healthy human beings. It will be bad for them. All the kids are going like, oh, don't say that. You know, my mom's already giving me enough stuff to do. You know, don't encourage her. (laughs) But it's good for you. Serving is not only good for the one being served, it's also good for the one serving. Serving doesn't only benefit the one who receives the service, but also the one who gives the service. We need to serve one another, and we need to do it in love. You see, if we serve one another in love, we'll give one another the service we really need. Not just serve one another in the way we want to serve. Also, if we do it in love, we'll do it sacrificially. We'll be willing to disadvantage ourselves sacrificially in order to advantage others. And break out of that cycle of consumerism. Um, and, and that's why, just on a practical level, we have these, these um, serving cards. And it's just because we're a family. And in the family, every single human being, every single person, every single member of the family should serve the family, should serve one another, because that's when the family works. And that's why we want to give you an opportunity to serve in love. And, and, and ask God, Lord, Lord, where do you want me to serve? Don't just ask, where do I want to serve? Say, God, where do you need me to serve? Where do you want me to serve? Where would, Jesus, where would you serve? If you, were, if, if you were in my shoes, where would you serve in this congregation or in these congregations? Lord, and don't ask yourself, Lord, um, where can I serve that will cost me the least? <laughs> that will inconvenience me the least. And then when you serve... And your brothers and sisters don't always appreciate the service you give. In fact, sometimes they don't even notice. And sometimes they even complain that the service isn't good enough. Because all of us still have a bit of that consumer mentality in us, right? Thank God for it. Yes, you heard me right. Thank God for it. Because it's delivering you of your consumer mentality. Because it's giving you an opportunity to really serve in love, sacrificially. Why is that important? Because that's how you have been served. By Jesus. See, all service is a form of giving up your freedom. He says, God called you to be free, but I'm calling you to actually give up your freedom to serve. And um, it's, the, the, it says there, serve one another, uh, but through love serve one another. It just says serve there. Now you, you get two words for serve in the Greek, at least two, two that I know of. Um, or let me put it differently. You get two words that are translated servant in the Greek. The one is diakonos, from which we get our word deacon, which is a servant. And, and it has an associated verb, um, diakoneo, to serve. And the other one is doulos, which is often translated servant in modern translations, but actually literally means slave. 
It also has an associated verb called duleo. Um, and that is the one used here. When it says serve one another in love, it's the, the doulos root, the slave verb. In other words, serve one another as slaves. So what he's saying here is basically, in a sense, what uh, the prophet Bob Dylan said. You're gonna serve someone. You're gonna serve someone. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you gotta serve someone. <laughs> I'm sure when he recorded, he, he closed his nose like that. He sounded anyway. <laughs> you gotta serve someone as a slave. Either you're gonna serve the law and yourself through the law, by trying to earn your salvation, or you're going to, through irreligion, serve yourself, your own flesh, your own desires, or in your freedom, you're going to use your freedom or abuse your freedom to serve as a slave yourself and your flesh and your own sin. Or you're going to be truly free by using your freedom, in a sense giving up your freedom, to serve one another as slaves in love. And we can do that, Philippians I didn't put it up on the screen, but let me just read you Philippians 2. It says, In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything, but he did not think that being equal with God was something to be used to his own benefit. But he gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. Notice, he had the ultimate freedom. I mean, if you're talking about freedom, Jesus had the ultimate freedom. He could do everything. Anything, literally anything. And what did he do with his freedom? He gave up his place with God, his freedom, and made himself nothing. He was born as a man and became like a servant. And guess what? The word translated there, servant, guess what? which word it is? It's the word for slave. It's doulos. You know, the modern translations, I can understand why they don't want to translate it slave, because modern people have a, a certain connotation to the word slave, which is not the same as what a slave was in the days of Jesus and Paul. So I can understand why they translated servant. But it literally says Jesus became a slave. Um, And then it says, And when he was living as a man, he humbled himself and was fully obedient to God, even when it caused his death, death on a cross. Which was, death on a cross was a slave's death. A runaway slave was crucified. And Jesus lived and actually died as a slave. A slave to whom? A slave in service of us. Giving us the service we desperately needed and couldn't do for ourselves. And he did it in love. It says serve one another in love. Serve in love, serve one another as slaves. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us. Died a slave's death for us. And 1 John 4 says, we love him because he first loved us. The extent to which, and that's what Ephesians 5 said, the supernatural, getting a revelation of the supernatural, high depth, width, um, length. Notice four dimensions, not three. We live in a three-dimensional world, but God's love is a four-dimensional, supernaturally dimensioned love. Go and count those dimensions. There are four of them. Because it's supernatural. And the extent to which we receive God's love for us determines the extent to which we can love Him and one another in return. We love Him because He first loved us. And if, to the extent that we realize how much He has loved us and served us in love as a slave, 
To that extent, we can, in love, serve one another. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. Let's, let's be that kind of family. Let's not, let's not do consumer Christianity. But let's do covenant Christianity, where we, in covenant, become fa- that family that serve one another in love. That's the kind of family one. That's the kind of family the world needs to see, isn't it? All the world sees is consumerism. I will be in relationship with you as long as it's convenient to me and as long as it benefits me. But as, as soon as I find someone who's more beneficial, I'm going to drop you like a hot potato and go for her or him. That's the relationship the world sees. It doesn't know covenant anymore. It needs us as the church to be that countercultural community that shows a different, a radically different way of living. A way of living that says, not, that doesn't say, I want to be served, I want everyone else to serve me, but in love, I'm willing to lay down my life because that's what Jesus did for me and I'm going to serve my family. Amen. Father God, we just want to pray, Lord, that you'll help us, Lord, even in practice, Lord, just to be that family, Lord, and to put that way of life on display for the world to see and to really serve one another in love. Thank you, Jesus, that you, as our older brother, served us in that way. And now you say to us, my brothers and sisters, I want you to use your freedom the way I used my freedom. Serve in love. Serve one another as slaves. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Antonio is just going to share with us uh, a quick um, testimony. And while he's doing that, just um, you know, take the time to look at those, those little cards and uh, see whether there's something that the Lord lays on your heart where you can serve. Good morning, church. My name is Antonio. Um, wow, that was amazing. That really was amazing. Speaking about serving like that, I was just blown away, actually. Um, so I'm going to talk about serving. I'm just going to give a testimony about serving. Um, I'm fairly new to church. Um, I just moved here um, the, the end of December and uh, for job purposes of varsity. So I, will st- I want to start by giving a definition of serving. Okay? Well, my definition or just some sort of definition. So I think serving is uh, doing something for God's people so that people can encounter God. Now, they're serving in church and they're serving outside of church, so let's focus on serving in church, okay? Now, I think of serving in church as ministering, okay? So I want to read the scripture of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 15. So chapter 11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and be blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So to me, what, what stands out to me here is that when you, when you become mature, you minister. 
so it's not the other way around. So it's, it's, it's like when you minister, you become mature. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not you become mature and then you minister. So let's not get that wrong. Okay. So to me, why is serving important? I like to also describe it um, as engaging as a member of the body of Christ. Which to me means that you are alive. Okay? So it means that you have an outflow and not just an inflow. Okay? So I like to think of it as the difference between the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea. So in the Mediterranean Sea, there's an inflow of water and there's also an outflow of water. But in the Dead Sea, that is not the case. There's only an inflow. That is why it's called dead. Although there are other reasons, technical reasons. Um, one of the illustrations I want to give to you is, imagine if Pastor Henny just comes into the church and nobody's doing anything. So if, if he comes into the church and he wants to start preaching, where's the worship? Where's the setup? Where's all the pieces that needs to come together in order to make the body of Christ effective? It is, that's why it's very important. It's not going to be effective to minister as a body of Christ if he only comes here and just preaches. That is one of the reasons why we need people to serve. Why do I serve? One of the reasons is because I want to engage as a member of the body of Christ. When I moved here, which I told you was the end of December, I moved leave, leaving all my friends and family behind. So you are part of my family. And that was a very crucial aspect to me um, in terms of moving here. So by serving, it, makes, it allows me, it makes me feel to be part of the family. So that definitely was one of the most important things for me to do. So in terms of my motivation for serving, when I serve, I don't expect any affirmation. I serve knowing that God is going to use my gift for His kingdom. I serve with honor and with love because of the joy that God has given me. I want to talk also about how do I serve. So I'm the guy on projector duty. I've been doing it for eight years now, for quite a long time. Um, I used to be part of Good Up Christian Center, and that's where I got saved, and that's where I started with serving in this area. And then I was part of Chauffeur Rondebos uh, for six years. So I've served there quite a lot as well. Um, I also feel that the Lord is wanting me to be involved in student ministry. For example, to facilitate a small group. So that is where the Lord is also leading me to in this point in time. Um, I want to also read a scripture from Ephesians 4 verse chapter 16. I mean chapter 4 verse 16. It says, From him the whole body, joined and held together, by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself, itself up in love as each part does its work. Also Psalm 100 verse 2, uh, it says, Worship the Lord with gladness. Other translations say, Serve the Lord with gladness. Okay? 
And now I want to give you advice on serving. So the best advice I can give you is if you don't know where to serve, then try everything out. If you're not sure what your gift is, try everything out. Pray about it. Speak to people about it. Chances are, if you speak to the people who are closest to you, they, probably, they know you probably better than you know yourself. So they might recommend something to start with. I'll give an example of what I did in that, in that aspect. Um, I wasn't sure um, if I wanted to be involved in youth ministry or student ministry, or where exactly. So I decided to try both out. And then I realized, okay, the Lord wants me in student ministry and not in youth ministry. So that's an example. So, yeah, if you're not sure, like I said, just rather try everything out. Because chances are you might find something that you like. I mean, also, if you actually serve, say, to the piano, you might realize you have a gift that you never thought you actually had. That's how many people actually realize that they have a gift. It's because they are doing something which they kind of knew they had a talent, but they've never been exposed to that. And through that exposure, they actually realize, oh, I'm actually good at this. I can actually serve. So that's what I want to say. Thank you. We specifically asked uh, Antonio to, um, to come and share because when he arrived here in December, he contacted us immediately and said, where can I serve? <laughs> that was the first thing, <laughs> our first contact with him. And uh, it just so um, epitomized that. Uh, I just want to agree with him. You know, so, so often we, we, we say, okay, what's my purpose? What's my gift? And so on. And, and the best way to find it. In fact, in some ways, the only way to find it is by serving. Um, and, and just in that terms, where to serve, while well, Shana comes up, um, Andres uh, Branco was sharing at Bible school this Tuesday, in leadership, he says there's an old charismatic saying, follow the lead or follow the need. So when you, when you want to decide um, where to serve, follow the lead or follow the need. In other words, follow the lead of the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit shows you some specific place to, to serve in. Or just follow, if he's not telling you anything specific, just follow the need. Because often he'll lead you by showing you the need and making you aware of the need so that you can help to meet it. Thank you, Antonio. <laughs> so there are a few teams on a Sunday that you know, we need people to serve. But before I start just saying which teams we need hands, I also want to share a quick testimony about me started joining the kids' church um, group downstairs or upstairs. I was at the older kids. So I came here and I was very, very shy because of things that happened in my past, rejection and all that. And I was, yeah, I was actually had a fear of man. And I felt God say, okay, well, I want you to serve at Kids Church. I love children, but standing in front of children and preaching or teaching them about Jesus can be intimidating. You must hear the questions that they have. It's very humbling. So I spoke to Auntie Sharon and Uncle Trev, and I did kids, started Kids Church, and it was really amazing. I learned so much. I think I even learned more than the kids learned at Kids Church. 
Um, it also helped me when we were on missions in Tanzania. The pastors there came up to us one evening at the crusade, and they're like, okay, will you run the kids' church, well, the kids, while we are busy with the, the grown-ups with the one crusade? And I was like, okay. And I know I let and I and Natasha, and we were like, okay, well, we've got this. We've done kids' church. And it was so easy just connecting with those kids and teaching them about Jesus because of what we learned at Kids Church. It's not just about equipping the children and teaching the children. It's also equipping us. And through that, God gave my voice back. He took away the fear of man. And yeah, it's just amazing what work God can do if you are willing to serve. Amen. So in in closing, um, as Antonio also said, you don't become a minister by maturing. You become mature by ministering. Okay, so let me put it differently. Maturity is, sorry, is the result of ministry. It's not that you must first become mature before you can qualify to minister. Okay? So the way to become mature is by ministering. It's the road to, to maturity. And, and we know this with kids, you know, and, and they've done sort of research in churches and say, okay, how do people grow? And initially you can grow just by receiving the word, you know, the preached word from other people and ministry from other people. Um, just like initially a baby can grow just by, you know, uh, sucking on its mother's breast. But eventually you've got to teach a child to self-feed. So eventually it's not enough just to receive from others. You've got to learn to receive from God directly yourself. Read the word yourself. Pray yourself. But even that eventually plateaus if that's all that you do. Um, and they found that the way to break through that, that ceiling is to actually start serving and take responsibility for other people's growth. And we know that in family as well. So you start off sort of just, you know, the rest of the family does everything for you, feeds you. Then they teach you how to self-feed. And there's this thing, you know, in kids, you know, I want to do it myself. You know, Ethan's at that space now. You know, you try and, you know, help him you know, put the spoon in his mouth and he'll push your hand away and someone throw the spoon on the ground if you're not careful. He wants to do it himself, you know. And that's actually a healthy thing that the Lord built in there so that we'll want to become self-feeders. But then the idea is to take it a step further and to start taking responsibility for other people as well because that's maturity. Maturity is when you can take responsibility not only for yourself but for others' well-being too within the family. So we, we want to encourage you to do that. Um, please write your name uh, and your contact number here. And if there's anything specific that uh, the Lord has laid on your heart, remember, follow the lead or follow the need. Um, just tick it off. Um, and, and Shana, where should we hand it in? You can just hand it at the info table or if you pass Shana, you can just sort of put it in her hand as well. Father God, we just want to come before you as your family, your people. And we want to thank you, Lord, um, that you made us for family and that you made us to serve and to be served. Thank you, Jesus, that you served us in the way that only you can. Thank you that you, as it were, served us as a slave in the greatest love that there ever was. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to serve one another in that same kind of love. And Lord, I just want to Pray, Lord, that every single person here, every individual here will experience that love, Lord. The love 
of serving and the love of being served in this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.jobberg. I'm the one who gave